there's just a sweet spirit in the room today, God, and um, I'm excited. I'm almost out of breath because I sense you today. I sense you moving, and I don't want to miss it. So I thank you for these moments and these songs and even just the the sweet invitation example that we were given. I pray that, God, that as we invite your spirit here right now, that you would just work and that you would speak. And you'd use these words that they would be your words. And that we'd hear your word today. And that we'd be changed because of it. Amen. Do you ever sense that you get a little distracted around the Christmas season? Like, I don't know if this happens to you, but when I go to the grocery store or to the uh, department store, the ones that really trip me out are like the super targets because it's like, you can go for four things, right? The eggnog and the secret Santa gift and um, the cranberry sauce that, you know, you forgot and then something nice for that party. Like, maybe it's a housewarming gift of wine or something. So it's like four things. Okay, I got to remember the cranberries. I got to remember the eggnog. I got to remember the secret Santa gift. And I got to remember that, that housewarming gift. That's something nice. Why did it have to be something nice? And then all of a sudden you go down the aisle and there's this 40% off this aisle only. And wow, maybe the secret Santa gift will be here. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I tend to get two or three items in that little jaunt and it takes 10 or 15 minutes and then I'm like okay eggnog cranberry sauce secret santa gift and oh that's is it something something special because I got three something specials but I don't know if they count and then clearance this end cap ooh, clearance and all of a sudden for me for me I get a phone call you were supposed to be home a half hour ago what's taking so long cranberry sauce like I, I have 12 items, but I don't have the four that I came to have. I think at Christmas, the, the distractions are just so much more abundant. And really, if we let these distractions go too far, I think they can keep us from getting to the right destination at Christmas. And that destination, I think, is to seek and find and worship Jesus. And so we come to this story that maybe you've heard before, maybe you haven't. It's the story of the wise men. And I think it's so easy to miss the direction that they offer us. So why don't we read it and see if that isn't something that gets you too. And so if, you're, if your thing isn't going to the store for four items and coming back with 12, just ask God right now, what is your distraction? So we pick it up in Matthew 2. It'll be on the screen, but maybe you'll have a Bible or something on your phone that you want to read it in. And again, just, just listen for God's spirit in God's word this morning. It says that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where's the one the newborn king of the Jews. We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone else in Jerusalem. So these wise men, or magi as they're called, are an elite class of astronomers. They're, they're from far away, and they're claiming that God or a God spoke through the stars. 
I just want you to imagine if some stranger came to your door, because that happens this time of year especially, and it's not a delivery man from FedEx, UPS, or USPS. It's just some strangers, and they knock on the door, and they're like, excuse me, we are from out of town, but we're looking for your hero, you know, the chosen anointed one of your religion. Now, now we saw some stars, and we've been studying the constellation, we've been reading the horoscopes, and we realize that he should be appearing because of this new star right around here. Be creepy, right? So, how do you think you'd respond? Would you, I think disturbed is a good word. Like, Herod was disturbed, as was everyone in Jerusalem, because I'd be disturbed. And yet, in this moment, there's, the, there's this question of what are they exactly disturbed about? One of the ways they could be disturbed is that these people are from far away. They look different. They sound different. They act different. Because God doesn't speak to people who are from far away. I mean, even though we might not say that, I think we often think that. And yet, these people are claiming through stars, through constellations, through, let's just face it, horoscopes. Capricorn, today you will encounter some strangers that will give you good news. I used to read them. They're, they're a little crazy, but that's basically what they're doing. When you hear that God is, speaks through something mysterious, like stars or dreams, do you tend to be skeptical or open? I was reading a book last week that I think really illustrates this point. It's called When Mockingbird Sing, and it, it's this story of, it opens with this husband and wife, the Norcrosses, and they exchange their strained city life, you can just kind of tell as, as the story writer says, for this rural town in it's a small town in rural Virginia, and they're about 30 miles outside the city, and, and the, the husband needs a little separation from his work, and they think going out of town will give them some of that separation. And, and yet, as you read the story, they've rented every bounce house and every carnival machine available like up to the city to try and lure the people from town to their nine-year-old, their only nine-year-old daughter's birthday party. She has one friend... She's extremely shy. She speaks with a stutter. And, and, and her only friend is an elderly woman named Mabel, who herself is trapped in her body in a wheelchair and has one phrase because she had a stroke. And it's, I love you. And she says it throughout the book at any rare time. And this is Leah's, the girl's only friend. And the parents are, you just open the pages and the parents are sitting almost at the door wondering if anyone will show up. And yet, one by one, the town comes to consider these people from away. It's interesting to note the the people that come. First of all, it's it's the mayor, Big Jim, who is more into opportunity than integrity. Then we've got the sheriff who shows up, and he actually is a pretty even-keeled, justice-minded person. And then finally, the reverend shows up. He's the most well-known, well-liked, or, or up to this point in the story, well-liked person from the largest church in this littlest town. So powerful people, except no one can seem to find Leah. 
She's not at her party in the midst of the bounce houses. She's up on their hill in the backyard. And as she walks down the hill and comes to meet her parents and these very important people, they're like, Leah, where have you been? And Leah starts saying that she's been having conversations with the rainbow man. And as she describes the conversations of the rainbow man, as, as she describes a little bit of the rainbow man, you're sitting there reading the story saying, is this, is this an angel? Is this a demon? Is this Jesus? And the rest of the plot is about how powerful people like the reverend and the sheriff and the mayor actually dismiss the signs and the conversations and the wonders of this small stuttering girl and her very powerful and yet invisible friend. It just opened my eyes to how quickly we can dismiss the signs that are around us. Because I believe God still speaks. Yes, I absolutely believe he speaks through his word, but you know, I've started to believe that he speaks through Christmas cards. That he speaks through even Macy's ads, maybe. Maybe Macy's ads, but there's been more miraculous things in the world. That maybe he speaks through a conversation with a coworker or a friend that you just happen to open your ears up to and hear. Not just hear the words, but actually hear what's underneath those words that opens up their heart. Do you dismiss those signs or do you hear those signs? See, the wise men, they give us a good act to follow. The wise men actually, actually keep looking for God's signs. They, they think that God could speak through the stars. I mean, let's face it, he created the stars. If he wants to speak through them, I guess he could. And next week we'll look at how God spoke through dreams. And all throughout the scripture, God speaks through dreams. So I would just strongly, strongly suggest that we keep our eyes open this Christmas season to the signs that God is going to do in and around us that I think he's already doing. And that we keep looking for them. Now, not all of them are going to point us to Jesus. In fact, some might simply be the distractions. But if you don't see it right away, don't dismiss it. Keep looking. This is what the wise men do. This is something that I think that we also can do. We can keep looking for those signs. Another thing I would say that that we can do to take direction from the wise men so we can actually reach this destination is we can uh, keep looking or keep listening for God's word. We can keep listening for God's word. See, if we keep going in this story of the wise men, when they arrive in Jerusalem, or in Bethlehem, no, yeah, when they arrive in Jerusalem, the capital city, Herod is so disturbed that he calls a meeting, we'll pick it up in verse four here. He calls a meeting of the wise men, of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law. Uh, Notice I said wise men purposefully. He doesn't call the wise men from the east, he actually calls the wise men from the west. They just happen to be called the leading priests and teachers of the law. He calls a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law, and Herod asks, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, 
For a ruler will come from you who will shepherd my people Israel or who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called a private meeting with the wise men and he learned from them the time that the star first appeared. And then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Now, I always, I always thought, oh, this is about the location of where Jesus is going to be born. This is about Bethlehem, as in the location. And I've missed it for so many years. See, I finally went back. I know I'm supposed to do this. I actually have done it before. But I went back and, and looked at the prophet that he's actually talking about here. The prophet that the leaders are looking at is a guy named Micah. So if you go back and you look at Micah, you find that, that the verse actually doesn't say what they just said. It's close, but it's not the same. I think Matthew, who writes this story about Jesus, is trying to alert us to a huge thing, that it's not really about location. He actually changes the reference in Micah 5.2, which is that this person will be a ruler over Israel from ancient of days. He changes that to ruler over Israel who will be the shepherd for my people, which is actually a reference to the book of Samuel about King David. But think about what a shepherd leader is compared to just a ruler. A shepherd leader would be one who guides. It'd be one who protects. And it would be one who sustains. See, I always thought that this was about Bethlehem, the location. It's actually about a certain kind of person. And I think that the wise men from the West, the leading chief priests who studied the law, who knew right away, oh yeah, it's in Bethlehem. This is what the prophet wrote. They were so familiar with the story that they stopped listening to God's word. When you come to Christmas services, when you start reading your Bible around Christmas time, do you start skimming the story because you know it? Increasingly, as I talk to my friends, as I talk to my neighbors, as I talk to my acquaintances, there are more and more people who don't know the story. They know different pieces, but you can't tell, and I mean no offense, they can't tell if it's like the Christmas story from that movie with the little BB gun, you'll shoot your eye out, or if it's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, or if it's like Jesus and the Wise Men, or the Kings, or the best Christmas pageant ever. And it's just kind of all jumbled together. There's a lot of people who don't know the story. But there's also many people who are so familiar with the story that we stopped listening. Do you keep listening? Do you expect that when you open your Bible in Christmas that God will speak, that God is here now, that his spirit is moving, that his spirit is moving, uh, heaven forbid, in me, that he's in you, that he's at work right now, that he wants to change your life, he wants to make things new, and he wants to bring you to this place of joy and expectancy because he is here. Let's keep, keep listening for God's word. Uh, one of the ways that I'm listening for God's word is I'm using um, the Bible app from our friends at Life Church, and 
uh, I'm doing the 121 Advent series. It's, it's pretty good. It's, kinda d- it's got four readings, and there's a part for me. There's a part that I can talk through with my family. I love it. I started the one that we did, the Restoration Kids Advent Devotion or Christmas Devotion to Go Box. It was awesome, and it's great. It's 10, just 10, not 24, so you don't have to feel guilty if you miss one. It's very, very doable. This morning we looked at one from this last week about the marble and how you look through the marble and when you look through the marble, you actually, when you look at someone, they're upside down. And then we read about how Jesus wants to turn the world upside down because it's so upside down. I mean, really, if you look at the news this week, it's still upside down. It's still messed up and Jesus is making all things right. It was a simple, powerful example. And I encourage you to get into the word and to keep listening to it. Finally, I think that the wise men tell us that we can keep going until we find God's son. The wise men kept going until they found God's son. The verses say after the interview with King Herod, They went on their way, and then the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them, and and it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house, and they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed low, and they worshiped him. And they opened their gifts and their treasure chests, and they gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Or God had warned them into a dream to not go the way they had come. Do you catch the irony? It's the foreigners. It's the ones who look different, the ones who act different, the ones who sound different the ones who are from far away, the ones who think that God speaks through stars and, heaven forbid, horoscopes, that find his son. And it's the ones that continue to to react to God's message with hostility, Herod, or indifference, the Jewish leaders, that miss it. They keep living in darkness. But God shows the light to the ones who, that we'd least expect. The ones that would knock at our door and we'd be like, where's that no solicitation sign? No, I'm not interested in your drive through meat or your wreath sale. Have a Merry Christmas. Jesus loves you. They keep going until they find God's son. See, I think we can admire the preparation of the wise men I think that we can applaud the distances they traveled and the sacrifices they made to get there. I think we can imitate their generous giving. Those are all good things. But if we fail to keep going until we see God's son, until we hear God's son, until we accept who Jesus is, we've missed the mission. And it's so tempting every Christmas for me to miss it. Sometimes on good things, sometimes on stupid clearance items. The wise men, they keep going. And, and many, many years ago, America had this destination mindset. Like, you've got to get to the end. 
And there, there were some good things with that. There are obviously some weaknesses with that. But in today's culture, we just have such a journey mindset that I think we've started to miss the weaknesses that are in that. I mean, here, I just went on social media this week. I, I found a few, few phrases that, that are just very prolific in our, in our society today. I think you'll agree. Ralph Waldo Emerson, life is a journey, not a destination. Or um, travel has taught me that the journey is the destination. Not bad. We should focus on the journey, not the destination. And joy is found not in finishing an activity, but in doing it. Okay. Yeah, I think those are all kind of true, sort of. And Ernest Hemingway, the poetic way to say it, I don't even know if I'll be able to. It's good to have an end to the journey toward, but it is the journey that matters in the end. Well, mostly. Success is a journey, not a destination. The more the doing is often more important than the outcome. This is what just fills our culture today. It's not all bad. Because we do discover amazing things on the journey, not just after we reach the destination, but, but we can miss it. I mean, the wise men, it doesn't say that the wise men were overjoyed because they were on the journey. It says when they saw the star and they reached the end and they got to the house, they were filled with joy. And when they see this little child, what did they expect? I mean, Herod couldn't find this person because he's expecting a mighty king. The prophets of Isaiah tell us that he is a wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, this ruler. And yet they come to this home, this humble home, and they find a child And rather than act with superiority, they just bow low. They offer valuable gifts of worship. Isn't that why we come? We come to see God's signs because we believe he still speaks. And we come to hear God's word because we believe he still speaks. And we come to find God's son because we believe that in him is life. And that's what, that's what the wise men are doing. The journey is important, but the destination, guys, the destination is the ultimate importance. We have got to find, to seek, and to find, and to know Jesus. We've got to find God's son. If you're not sure that you're seeking Jesus right now, if you're not sure that he's really Lord of your life, I would just encourage you to take encouragement from these people from away. These people from that, that think that God st- speaks through horoscopes and stars and they've been other places, they've done other things and God accepts their worship regardless of who they are or where they're from or what they've done. He accepts them. And this story really is the, the foreshadowing of how, how you and I will respond to Jesus. Certainly how the people in the story of Christ respond to him. It's the rulers who are threatened by his power that reject him. It's the people that don't hear his word that are so close to God supposedly that are the farthest from him. And yet it's the ones who are 
foreign that are actually the ones called the true people of God. Now, if you know him, is he Lord? Is he, this season, the one that you can see, not just with faith, but sometimes even with sight, that you can touch with your hands, that you can hear with your ears? Is he the one that you see, not just in the celebration of this first advent, this first coming, but the one who will come again, the one who will be clothed in power and in righteousness and with a crown and with a sword and with a a, a horse and the one who says, I am coming to make all things new. I am the one who's going to wipe every tear. I'm the one who's going to clean up this mess because I love you. I've saved the world and I'm bringing it home again. That's the one that we come to. And if you're not sure, you just have to say, God, Lord Jesus, lead my life because I can't be in charge anymore. Because I believe that you came to earth and you brought humanity to you to find true life, to find abundant life, to find eternal life because I can't find it on my own. My selfishness will lead me down the 40% off aisle. My sin will lead me so far away from you, but your forgiveness is so great that I believe you can, that you can bring me back to you. I believe you can restore my life. And I say, yes, Jesus. Yes. And if you could say, I have prayed that before or something like that, I really do believe and follow Jesus, then, then what plans are you making this season to reach the destination of finding Christ, knowing Christ, and worshiping Christ? Somewhere near you, there's an ornament on your chair. It looks like this. If it's not right next to you, go find one. No one else is going to take them. So walk down the aisle, grab one. I see three in the front row. The reason that we put this out there, our creative team put this out there, so that you could actually write down a plan. Write down a plan for you to focus on Jesus this Christmas. It's maybe something you have to start, like a reading plan, or um, it's maybe something you have to stop. For example, you could stop fretting about that party you're going to host and all the details, and you could just enjoy the party. This isn't my problem, but I guess there's some people out there that have a problem doing this. So this is my permission from God that you can enjoy the people that you've invited to your home so they sense the warmth and hospitality of Jesus. It might be something you do have to start, like an Advent devotion or a reading plan. Online, in the box, I think we still have some here. You know, it might be saying, I'm going to focus on spending time with people rather than worrying about spending money on them. Just write it down. Is it the reading plan? Is it spending time with people? It, it might be, you know what? I know Jesus would be down at the mission, whether it's the Union Gospel mission, whether it's the soup kitchen, whether it's feed my starving children, I know he would be there. That's what I gotta do because my heart needs to be turned upside down because I think this season is about want and it's really about giving and so that's where I'm gonna go. That's what I'd encourage you to write down. God's spirit is here and he's moving.
Ask him right now, what is it for me, God? What would help me that's not a burden, that's not a guilt, that's not a should, but yet a gateway to life? Jesus, I thank you for this moment right now that has never been and might never be again. But yet in this moment, you're here and you're moving and I believe you're speaking and I pray that you would speak to every person in this room, that they would, every person who hears these words would know how much you love them and how you seek them, how you came to earth to find us and how you say, you promised us if we seek you with all our heart, we'll find you. I pray that you would give us words, give us uh, an assurance in our heart that not only you're with us, but also that, that we can make efforts to be with you, to focus our hearts on what is true, what is eternal, and what is good. We love you. Amen.